podcast we have a bonus episode our first bonus episode nick and my brother alex how's it going man Woo! going well <laughs> long time Off listener the of the pod long time every episode <laughs> huge fan <laughs> yeah and fan boy even coming fresh off your wedding and birthday you, you must be exhausted by now man Party doesn't stop. We've got the wife's birthday next week. Oh shit! Your your April May is going to be hellish every or great every year, however you look at it. It's been a good time. So we read The Watchmen. We kind of had like a little book club. I guess it was supposed to be uh, more people, but your friends are the flakiest fucks in the world. So. Uh, I just throw uh, an idea out there and then it usually doesn't stick. So I end up reading books by myself. Oh, you've done this a few times now. Oh, every book I read. Hey, anyone want to join me? Nope. All right. Well, off we go. Well, I have to say, man, this was the very first time you've invited me. So there's something out of your, there's something wrong with your program so far. Yeah, you might have to get some more invites then. (laughs) Because I was the only one who actually accepted one. (laughs) Yeah. But it was cool, man. So before we get into Watchmen, though, you know, this is a fantasy football podcast, technically. That's the only episodes I listen to. <laughs> you just turn it off right after that? <laughs> I, I don't know. Is this the same podcast with the movies you guys talk about? The same pod, man. The same one, yeah. I hadn't tuned into one of the movie movie renditions. Well, the off-season's been a little, you know, it's tough to to talk too much, but... We've got the NFL draft, man. I NFL draft. What was that? I said we do have the NFL oh, draft. Yeah. Did have the NFL draft. I only really paid attention to the first three rounds, and then I was basically just watching for Auburn players. Uh, how did you like watch it and tune in? Yeah, I watched the first night and then was on Instagram for Auburn players, which I knew was long to come. I gotcha. Any uh. Any players that kind of I don't I don't really know. Are you much of like do you care about uh you know keeping up with the off season for like fantasy or do you really just like start looking when it comes you know a week or two before the draft? Yeah, no, I've got a mock draft and then I remember oh that player got traded or oh yeah oh, that player picked up. But I watch the draft. I keep I have ESPN alerts me on the big stuff. Nice. Any- I know that. Aaron Rodgers says he'll be damned if he goes back to Green Bay. That that can't happen, right? That's just all talk, right? He said he would rather have a family reunion than go back to Green Bay. <laughs> and knowing his relation with his family, I thought that was the funniest fucking shit I'd ever heard. <laughs> that is awesome. But he yeah. has to. I mean, he's under contract, and there's just no team could ever give enough. And it is well, see, that's what he says he's uh, not past retiring. Which these players retire and then sign the next year. So I don't know how contracts work around that. I'm pretty positive that retiring still means you have to, the team has to release them. Mm. But usually, I mean, when a player retires, the team just releases them if there's nothing fishy in the air because it counts as a roster spot until you release them. 
Right, right. I guess Aaron Rodgers is worth keeping on your roster spot. Oh, for sure. There's no way they would. <laughs> Even if he never plays a snap. And, dude, there's no – there's no – I mean, I guess there's a world where it happens. But, I mean, what's he What's he projected to make this year? Like 30-plus million dollars. He's already buku. Yeah, that's my thing. It's not money. It's money, dude. He'll he'll stay for thirty million. That's it's not so a contract much. year, or I mean, that's what I was talking to friends about. He was the first quarterback paid over a hundred million dollar contract, right? I mean, it's I, not like he's he's underappreciated. I don't think, but no, I guess you get there and you get a different story. He just wants that that second ring, you know? Yeah. Well, that's what it is, and he wants to build the team his way. He wants the LeBron effect. Yeah. Give me the keys and step back. I'm I'm a little bit surprised, I guess, that he hasn't had the sway that that Brady has had, where he can kind of just dominate the um, the locker room and, and even like the I don't know the manager's room to say like, hey, go get Antonio Brown and all that kind of stuff. It, it does surprise me, but yeah. I mean, I don't know the dynamics. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers' opinion is listened to. Now, whether it's a hundred percent Aaron Rodgers gets to make the final decision, or I don't, I don't know the dynamics, but. Your star player, yeah, he's not being ignored completely. He's in the room in discussions. And they did make kind of like a placating, I think it was a third-round draft pick on a wide receiver, which isn't sexy, but I think yeah. it's all talk. I mean, we'll we'll talk more if it starts to get to season. He says, I'm going to hold out or whatever. There's, there's well, that's still- what hunting. What, I mean. Because, I, I mean, he's got uh, Devontae and, uh, and uh, what's them – Oh, I'm drawing a blank running back. Aaron Jones. Yes, Aaron. That was the name. And even Alan Lazard and Mark Quez Valdez Scantling are fine. You know, they're not they're not wide receiver twos in the NFL, but they're like they're perennial uh, playoff teams, you know? Yeah. I mean, what they're they're playing with the the Bears, the Lions, and the Vikings. None of them really doing shit. Hey, 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 hey. I forgot you're a Kirk Cousins boy. Vikings, Vikings Holy. are going Vikings are going to win the division this year. I like the Vikings. I don't hate on them, but they're not they're not competing with Green Bay right now. But I think that's kind of what Rogers is saying is like, hey guys, we can win the division, no problem. I don't. I'm excited, but let's win a Super Bowl. I mean, it's right there for us. Again, I don't know what he's asking for or wanting. He seems impossible. I mean, they've got a great defense. They've got a decent offensive line. They'll be fine. I'm pretty sure he's going to play. But let's any um, anything from the draft that kind of piqued your interest from like a season, like coming up to this season as a fantasy player. Did you kind of notice anybody that you think from would be interested? Fantasy player. Yeah. Well, the only thing. So again, I, I watched the first round, and I didn't really. After that, I don't know the players' names unless they went to Auburn, Alabama. Yeah. SEC guys, whatever. But the one that caught me was them Bengals going Jamar Chase instead wow. of picking up an offensive lineman. Oh man, poor poor Joe Burrow is gonna be running for his life whenever he's able to run again. God. When that leg is healed, it will break again. Yeah, but I mean they've got what Hen. Um, they had uh, Ross the third, Tyler Boyd. They got some playmakers. Their offense was putting up 30 points. Uh, Ross, your they, guy. Got Tyler, they got Tyler Boyd and they got T. Higgins, really, as the two guys. Yeah. yeah. 
those, I mean, those are the two weapons and they're both pretty damn good. I, I know that JP um, was really, is probably still quite high on T Higgins, but he's got to yeah. take a hit here. So. Well, they got a big body receiver, right? That's Jamar Chase's thing. He's, he's a large, but he's, he's still hyper. He's basically all around talent. Yeah. But Which, again, I mean, if you can keep Joe Burrow on, on two legs, I guess, you know, give him some weapons, but I think you start there. Well, I, I would agree. I think the defense is still so bad that, that they're going to be throwing quite a bit. So I think, well, yeah, there's no question, but is he going to have the time to throw it or is he going to be sitting out eight games a year? Cause he's been damn sacked 15 times. Oh man. And they didn't, they just, uh, they just traded McCarron to Atlanta. So, or was McCarron at, uh, Houston, who I don't know who the uh, Bengals backup is, but uh, yeah, oh uh, yeah, I mean wide receiver, yeah, the guy that ended the season with the Bengals, yeah, it, it wasn't anyone I'd be able to name because mm-hmm. they didn't they go to like their third or fourth string at one point. I really don't even remember. I mean, their their current backup right now is Brandon Allen, who is heinous. Yeah, they've got Kyle Shermer. It, it's a wasteland. So whoever, if he does. <laughs> If he does tap out, it's going to be all hands off on that that offense, right? Well, is he is he expected to start the season? Wasn't it over a year long recovery that they're looking? I think they're looking at like skipping the first week or so, which which spells real bad things because that can that can easily stretch to three weeks and four weeks. You know, the day by day goes to week to week, and then yeah, he's playing week five. Especially on a you know number one draft pick who's your future and your team's not going to make the playoffs. So why? Hey, well, I guess Jamari Chase is going to get some practice from some no name son of a bitch. Yeah, I guess that kind of spells taps me out of that that offense pretty hard. I mean, maybe Joe Mixon can still overcome, but yeah. um, I think the only real huge name moving in is going to be Najee Harris, running back to Pittsburgh Steelers. That was a good fit, yeah. That couldn't have gone much better for either side. I mean, you've been burnt by James Conner like multiple years in a row. <laughs> and Benny Snell. <laughs> Snell, yeah. <laughs> Fuck Snell, yeah. <laughs> uh, I put so many horses on Snell, yeah, every week. Okay, Conner's out. Oh, look, he went for damn 1.1 points. Wonderful. Uh, so there's, I mean, there's a lot of question marks whether he'll, you know, Najee is somehow just so insane to overcome the problems with that offense, the defense is incredibly good. So that helps him, but I'm there. I mean, they're talking about him as like a, you know, upper end round two pick. And it makes me very nervous. Well, I mean, he's going to be the lead horse, right? Didn't they get oh, yeah. rid of Connors altogether? Yeah. It's just him and Snell. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he's got upside. He's a big guy. He's always been healthy at Alabama. So. Yeah. But some of those, some of those running backs in the second round, like Antonio Gibson, Cam Akers, um, Joe Mixon, it's it's close for me. I, I guess I'd maybe take Najee Harris over Joe Mixon, but it's kind of close for me. Like you just said, Bengals going to be throwing all season. So, yeah. All right. Well, dude, let's uh let's dive into our book club chat, man. So we read The Watchmen. Um, you know, for the movies, I kind of always like to ask JP how he kind of discovered the book. I mean, I know Watchmen is incredibly famous, but like, what did, was there anything that kind of triggered it for you to read? Was it like a friend's suggestion or how'd you kind of yeah. happen on it? 
Well, we went up to my wife's best friend's place and her husband recommended reading it because he found out that I was on quite the reading, reading slew. Hmm. So I looked into it. I had never read a graphic novel. It looked interesting enough. A couple of friends had read it and said that they enjoyed it. So why the hell not? And basically same, same with me. I I've never read a graphic novel. Um, I think I had like opened up 300 and read the first couple pages, but that's it. So very new to it as well. Um, I, I did see the movie when it first came out in theaters. Did you, had you seen the movie beforehand? Yeah, I saw the movie beforehand. All I remember was Blue Dick. That was all I remember seeing in the movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Was- yeah, came came to mind. And I watched the HBO show, too, which nothing like the book. Yeah, I've I had I parts, but I've only seen, uh, I think, maybe three episodes of the show. But um, yeah, I was a little bit surprised um, just how identical the the book was to the movie it was yeah we're giving kind of, spoilers. I don't know. go ahead sorry i said we're giving spoilers we're talking about it all oh yeah definitely yeah so it, it rides it all the way up until the end i know you t- you caught what the end tweak was i didn't really remember i mean i i couldn't remember you you- watch the movie again no i did not watch the movie again but i yeah. You said that there was a tweak at the end. Was the tweak at the end the finding of Rorschach's diary or how the, it's like turning into like an alien? Yeah, the alien. So there yeah. was, you know, the giant alien-like creature dropped on top of uh, New York. Was, that doesn't even happen in the movie. Was the movie just a nuke or? Well, no, they say that uh, Dr. Manhattan triggered it by going back to Earth. And oh, something shit. that... Uh, Ozymandias or whatever had yeah. set up kind of triggered that reaction, but oh. it completely like diverted blame and and changed like the whole path that the the ending was actually taking. Oh, so then the the kind of third party enemy turns into Doctor Manhattan. Well, but he doesn't turn into a bad guy. It's you know incidental, and they don't even oh, really go into that. I think you know Doctor Manhattan kind of just goes back to Mars or whatever. And it's a mute point, but yeah. Yeah. It just huh. completely changes the dynamics of what actually happened. That does. But at the same time, I mean, just to skip to the end, I guess uh, that alien part, man, I, I don't know if it's because I had seen the movie and didn't remember that, but it felt really rushed. The explanation of like, wait, what the fuck is this guy doing? I don't know. It seemed really fast to me. Well, Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they hadn't even reached his like ice cave and been talking to that guy until, oh, snap, there's only like 30, 40 pages left, which is like, you know, chapter or two. Totally agree. And what I guess, I mean, I know that they were trying to make the reveal of Ozymandias being the the villain, a, you know, obviously a surprise. But honestly, I feel like the character Ozymandias wasn't really fleshed out throughout the novel at all, even even really to be one of the good guys he was just like a very minor dude yeah i agree other than like rorschach i would say that all of the characters were kind of i don't know lacking in depth i thought dr manhattan got enough i thought dr manhattan got enough yeah yeah i won't disagree with that but they you know they pick up the book after the the minute men have already disbanded and all that so 
you're kind of picking up the pieces after like, Oh, who are these people? What lives did they live? It's all kind of a, a look back at what's already been done. Which I, I honestly, I found that kind of awesome. I mean, I like that. It's kind of, you're having to work it out a little bit yourself about what these relationships are. And I think that's a struggle for an author to know how much is enough and how much is too little to give. Um, but I just think that the Ozymandias kind of, they could have done a little bit more. They could have introduced him in a couple of the earlier scenes maybe and done a little bit more, but um, I agree. What I mean, are, like, like the Mothman, Mothman didn't even have a part. He went to the, the sanatorium, but other than that, when did he ever even play one ounce of a, a part in the whole book? Nope. Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> like, why bring him up? But I guess I think, I think maybe just to give a little bit of more presence to that kind of society, which, man, right. I have to say, like, so this book was in 87. Um, movie was in 2009, which I can't exactly remember, like, where that lies within the whole superheroes. Iron Man was 2008. So we were right on the cusp of, like, the whole justice. I mean, um, yeah, Avengers theme kind of busting out. So. When this came out, I mean, the whole idea of like superheroes coming from normal, not normal. I mean, all of the guys in Watchmen kind of have their problems, but they're not like superheroes. Right. I, I think that's really cool. And I like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, Batman kind of was always that character, like just super smart and rich and could, you know, do things. And I, I've always kind of gravitated that. But for all of them, besides Dr. Manhattan, man. It was it was kind of awesome. I really like that premise. Kind of like that uh, that show on uh, Prime. What is it? The what's that superhero one? Bad. It's not Bad Boys, is it? Boys. I, I am so out the of boy. touch, man. Uh, well, anyway, it's pretty much superheroes in modern times, and they've all got their own personal dilemmas, and you know, falls them from like just any other dramatic TV show. Probably, like, I never watched Small Town, but it tries and humanizes all of these super fantastical characters i mean i think um i think when it it's interesting that we're really reading this right after you know end game and the avengers was such like the biggest thing for the last you know 10 years or so and this i don't know it just it's such a cooler spin i mean i was never really an avengers fan so i i gravitate a lot more to this and um I, I imagine universe marvel right what's that this is dc right it is dc but honestly i don't really even know i don't keep up with kind of like i don't know the different dimensions or whatever i couldn't tell you either yeah but i'm i'm learning as more movies come out i see yeah but i thought um so i guess you know, overall impressions for me is I felt like it was a really strong read, though. I mean, I think you had commented in a text something like it's hard to to really give cre enough credit to the art while you're still trying to pace through the novel at a decent rate. Yeah. Um, and I, I just I totally agree with that. Like, okay. I would there were multiple many. I mean, maybe half the book where I didn't really look at the cells, you know, themselves. Right. Yeah, I pretty much read the two pages that were open and then had to look back through and appreciate what I just read through. And then, oh, interesting. then, Oh, what did I just read? And I don't know when I read, you get in a groove and when you have to stop and look at the artwork, it just gets you out of that, that rhythm. Yeah. I feel that. I think there are, there are enough cells where like, I think he does a pretty good job about 
making them at least like colors that which is i don't know that sounds kind of dumb but like when you see dr manhattan take up the full cell like no that it definitely pops yeah so you don't have to really examine too harshly but man when you do it's like damn somebody that the illustrator really put a lot of work into everyone and you just kind of breeze past it no doubt no doubt so that i kind of found that not not like a negative but just kind of I don't know. It makes me want at least later in life to kind of give it a, a relook so that now I don't really have to care about plot or relationships. I could, they're almost like old friends at this point and I can focus on the, the illustration. I've got a, a couple of more graphic novels in the cart. So I'm going to, I'm going to try and read some more and see if I enjoy any more of them. What are you diving into next? Well, right now I'm reading the book, the Overstory. It is uh, one of the Pulitzers recently. It's a collection of shorts that kind of intertwine around trees and, and things to do with, you know, uh, the outdoors. It's kind it's of like the modern day um, Walden. Similar, similar, I guess. It's not poetry, but yeah, it's and it, it's a lot more morbid than I was expecting. You know, I was oh, expecting shit. kind of uh, an uplifting aspect but no these are pretty stoic and uh, a lot of times you know i guess depressing would be the only word i can think of right now that's a decent transition from watchmen because it, this is partially upsetting for most of the entirety of it yeah well it's all about nuclear holocaust yeah and then well, how I, these if mankind you just distract them did you so that bringing up the nuclear side of this book i mean one thing that I guess I did feel a little bit disconnected with is, again, this came out in 87. So I think the gravity of the whole Cold War was just so universal that there really didn't need to be any sort of, I, I guess, explanation. And obviously, I understand the Cold War, but did you feel a little out of touch with that whole idea or was it, did it feel dated to you or was it not really a big thing for you? No, I, didn't, I mean, you, you, like you said, it came out in 86, and knowing it came out in 86, I understood the culture of it. Yeah. If anything, it coming out in 86, it kind of takes more more place in the 70s, it feels like, because mm. Nixon's around, although Nixon's won his third term. It's kind of a, a alternate, you know, future reality type situation. Right. right. But I thought, I mean, you know, going through high school, I had to take two years of American history. So I was well versed in the Cold War and Nixon and Kissinger and all of that. So I thought it was pretty interesting. It was, No, it's very interesting. I guess I, I meant that I just didn't really feel maybe the seriousness of the situation. I mean, this book is maybe not as serious as it's kind of made out to be. But like, you know, somebody who's living in 86 at the time, I mean, it's still very it's still a very scary situation. And so I don't know reading about the the bombs and this thing it's it's more real than i guess what it is now to me but yeah no i get what you're saying um one thing that i didn't really do in the book so i didn't i i was trying to correlate the whole story of was it the black mast the the pirate scenario going what on what did you think book? about that man the the kind of overlaid comic within a comic well, I'm never too big, and I, I, you know, I'm a simple-minded guy. Don't give me too much to think about. <laughs> I, I can't say I was too for it, but I kept trying to relate. Okay, well, this is this is kind of where I think it's metaphorically going in the story, how it relates to the, 
the actual ongoings of the Watchmen. And I think I just failed to make that parallel for the most part. I guess for me, first off, I thought that the actual comic inside the comic Black Master, whatever you call it, um, I thought it was pretty cool if you just distance yourself. Like, you know, if I had just read that as like a short, you know, it would have been pretty right. cool. Having to like bring myself in and out was just like, certainly by the third or fourth time I was kind of done with it. And then I think towards the end, it kind of it picked my steam back up, but I was, I was losing faith on that. And I, I didn't really try to relate it throughout. I just kind of saw it as like almost a cheap way to interact with the current situation. Like yeah. I, don't, I can't think of an exact situation, but it would very often like it would like bounce from cell to cell. Right. And it would try so hard to mirror it. And I, I thought a lot of the time it felt like forced, you know, like it was, it was kind of unnecessary for me. Um, so you thought it was mirroring what was going on in the story pretty well then? I mean, what I don't mean literally like the plots feel the same or really even the themes can be matched, but it was like, it was like whatever dialogue was happening at the time. Like if somebody said like, Oh um, well, yeah. Yeah. The transitions were great. Yeah. I thought. I mean, it would be like, and then I was in the hunk oh, Yeah, he's reading there at the side where the guys are having the conversations and kind of dialogue transitions into the storytelling of the other one. So, yeah, no, I, I, I thought that was done well. I thought at first it was, and maybe towards the end, but I thought that it's one of those things that as an author, like if you try to do it the whole time, there's just going to be times where it, it doesn't sink. It might sink perfectly, but it feels unnecessary to me. So I thought it was a little yeah, bit. Like I said, I think the whole thing was unnecessary, but <laughs> I think how it was done, you couldn't have done it a whole lot better. I thought it was no. you know, pretty seamless. Yeah. I feel I that. guess what it was trying to say though. So the whole black mass story, right. Is I guess this guy gets shipwrecked by these, these pirates yeah. And he's convinced the pirates are going back to his homeland to, to rape and pillage and his wife and kids are there. So he drives himself mad trying to get back. Even goes on like a, a float of corpses. That shit's awesome. Finally gets back and is convinced that the, the pirates have already had their way and he can only get his revenge. So anyway, long story short, he's the one that loses his mind and commits murder. Yes. I guess what it's kind of, it's kind of saying that we're pushed on. We're in this cold war with Russia. We've had a real war, right? So we've had the distress and now it's all worry, worry, worry until we're brinkmanship. And we just think that we've got no other option other than just take it all out on the other person only to come find out there is nothing that's actually happening. I guess that's the, the thing with the Cold War. It was the threat of nuclear holocaust, but at the same time, people just go about their daily lives. It wasn't World War II. People aren't in Germany, you know? So I guess yeah, that's I, the parallel. I think you've nailed it. I think, you know, when you spell it out like that, it's kind of Ozymandias's, um paranoia that something really is going to happen or it's already happened. And so he has to right. be this hero and he's going to save it. But really, he he's the one who commits genocide to some degree. And um gives yeah. him a unifying force right right um but i i'm not exactly sure how it fits towards the very end of the comic where he like joins the zombies and maybe i, I can't tell if the zombies are going to 
attack the city now or, or if they're just going to well, I guess that's just kind of his own realization of his own depravity and that he's got nowhere else to go but hell you know I, would, and I guess that's kind yeah. of the take on mankind and civilization is we got nowhere else to go this place is doomed and people suck I guess I think that's the parallel I draw from it. That's but. not bad. I was thinking maybe his joining with the zombies is kind of the um, foreshadowing of what's going to happen when Rorschach's diary gets revealed and the whole world realizes they got played and now they're in the same situation they were in before where it's just U.S. versus Soviets. Maybe it's even more heightened and now the real trouble is actually going to start. And so yeah. it's almost... Well, that's why they leave that in there, right? Is to, right. yeah, they're not supposed to be a happy ending. It's no, supposed to be, sure. uh, well, <laughs> they tried, but look, it looks like there's going to be a, an alternate opinion. Yeah. What, um, what are you, were your kind of, uh, I guess, favorite parts, uh, or most striking besides, uh, Blue Dick <laughs> in the movie or the book? The book, the book. Hmm. I know it's been it's been a while since you finished. I had to play catch up. Um, been almost a month, three weeks or so. For me, I think a couple of my favorite scenes, and and maybe this first one is because I did see the movie, and I just thought it was so awesome in the movie. Was um, Doctor Manhattan's formation when he gets tra- uh, trapped and and like exploded and then he has to like join himself back together particularly in the movie i thought it was badass where like a janitor like sees him reforming himself i was like man awesome like a skeleton was spotted here and then yeah no i thought that was pretty cool i think from an artistic standpoint when he first goes to mars and he's creating stuff like i think that artistically was the most capturing but I don't know the the plot wise and story. I kind of like the uh, prison riot break and oh. Rorsch whole part with the the guys trying to get at him. Oh, and that was he gets the best of all three of them. That was definitely my number two, man. The or it probably is my number one. That Rorschach jail scene was badass. Yeah, yeah. Oh. The Rorschach character, I know. Like reading, I don't know whether it was Wikipedia or not, or read it something but it was basically like the author saying that Rorschach was supposed to be like a laughing stock when you're reading it and you're supposed to think that he's just like the dumbest of the dumb and he the author was very surprised and almost upset that fans like thought he was a huge badass and awesome um well it's because he carries himself with such I don't know aggressive demeanor and yeah I mean he doesn't come off as stupid. He comes off as quiet. And I guess when they go into his backstory of being this crazy, you know, son of a prostitute and, you know, he's just this short guy that kind of goes wild. It, it kind of changes his character a bit, but yeah, you know, he's I- resolute. Uh, he's going to see things through by, you know, he's got his, his idea of how things are supposed to be bad guys need to be punished regardless of the outcome. Right. So that's why he's like, damn to society and mankind, Ozymandias or whatever. I can't pronounce his name, but he needs to be punished. Right. And it is dumb, but it's not how the character comes across. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it's very hard to imagine why he's such an iconic character and people gravitate towards his personality. But I think maybe if there was a little bit more like on his, you know, living in a super broke um, place and kind of walking past the newsstand with the, uh, you know, what is it? Doesn't Isn't he the one who carries the uh, sign about yeah. the world's going to end and that kind of shit? Like, there's a lot of goofiness to him. I mean, if you like if you realize that he's kind of spying out, you know, the streets and it's, it makes sense, but there's a lot of goofiness involved. Like when he runs into his landlord and shit, I don't know. No, he's definitely a spaz under the mask, but with the mask on, you know, he takes on different persona. True. I thought kind of carried through though, that you get out of Rorschach's character. Cause Rorschach's like a right wing conservative and that's what they, they play on the, two media factions mm-hmm. and that's certainly something that's only heightened since you know 86 or whatever is the you know liberal conservative contrast but the book definitely plays on that most of the time yeah i i want to say that honestly that kind of washed off me i don't know if that's because i guess of my confidence on my own ideas but that that just bounced right off of me <laughs> fortunately well, I mean, yeah, but that's isn't that how they found out a lot of the stuff was I think Ozzy Mandis was working with the, the liberal media and they had I don't even remember. But I don't know. I just thought that the the two different sides of it is something that's just continued to be a, a bipolar part of America clearly sure. through 30 years now. Yeah, that's for sure. Um we brought up uh, Rorschach's backstory, which I did think was one of the better um, end of chapter dialogue. Um, what would you call them? Passages, I guess. What did you, I did not expect those, you know, for the first one, you know, reading a graphic novel and then you get this chunk three, four page uh, literature, I guess you could say. I was, I was a little bit taken aback, but I think most of them were actually pretty interesting. Uh, I was certainly taken back after the third one because the first two follow that guy's book, right? The original Night right. book. Yep. And I was thinking, okay, well, this is just going to be commentary as we go, kind of building up, and it'll meet in the, you know, in the middle. Right. Because he he starts talking about the old times, and of course, the the main part of the book is following current times, but then it kind of just throws that out and and starts going different characters and different situations and all of that. But I think I kind of would have liked to prefer the, the night owl story and his take as, as they go through the developing times, which of course, you know, he, he ends up getting murdered pretty early on in the book anyway. That you're right. They did kind of lose that. I mean, the, the whole idea of the comedian raping the, um, what is it? Scarlet, whatever's mom, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that seemed to be kind of a central thing, like a mystery. And then by the end of it, it was almost like just thrown away. Almost yeah. like it was kind of more filler than anything. Yeah, and her finding out that the the comedian is her dad and all that, I thought that was just a weird, unnecessary twist that, I don't know. Well, I recalled, I, I, this may have just been first impressions, but I recalled the comedian being a more 
more impressionable character from the movie. Um, like in the book, I mean, I, I think we get the same scenes, but I guess, I guess the pictures don't do it as much justice. Like I, I really felt those scenes when I was watching the movie, like the, the comedian. Know. Yeah. When they, when he, they're in Vietnam and he shoots that pregnant lady. I mean, right. that's pretty telling of his character. You, you get a, a sense right. of who the comedian is. <laughs> You're right. He's an aggressive asshole through and through. You're right, you're right. But I, I guess throughout reading this, I don't know, that whole side story felt more more and more like a side story than than necessary. Right. Well, then it seemed like a lot of it was collections of side stories that kind of follow That's a Dr. Manhattan and, right. uh, you know, with Jenny or the whatever the girl's name was. Mm-hmm. Night Owl, they all kind of, yeah, had their own side pieces that followed the same story, so. That's a good call. Yeah. Well, what are you reading? You got well, any- I got to ask, I, I was confused by, like, one part that I, I kind of felt like an idiot for, and uh-huh. it's, it's the, um, the boat of missing people blowing up. Like, those yeah. people were, like, used to create the alien or something yeah that's exactly right but it was like a comic book writer i didn't really understand well i think yeah well the comic book writer is probably a play in the the comic book writer putting his own piece in there but it had like special effect movie people right and biologists and all sorts of all sorts of things to try and have the most horrific psychological impact creature that they could come up with so i guess they needed a creative twist was why they would have him in there so but, it's, yeah. it's a bunch of very eclectic but interesting and smart humans that then like their ai was kind of extracted and put into one being is that what that is well i think yeah they developed it and then yeah i they didn't really go into it, of course, but yeah, the, their whole thing is that everyone played a part in creating this creature that once he was transported would mm. set off the the brainwaves or whatever and kill half the city and all of that kind of stuff and give the appearance of, you know, an extraterrestrial life and all that, but certainly nothing that they go too deep into. I gotcha. Maybe if you really go deeper, maybe it's a little bit more superficial than you want it to be, so you kind of have to yeah i think i think that's this is him covering his tracks yeah that's and cool i was just a little confused that was what island was yeah i gotcha yeah because well, they had to bring it back to how they find it's ozymandias to begin with i'm sorry i said they gotta find out it's ozymandias to begin with so you know they have to throw that little teaser about uh-huh. the comedian talking about the island and right you know, they, they have to say, what is that island that he was talking about? Right, you're right. Yeah, and they just trail you along to say, okay. Like you said, they kind of rush the end. Yeah. I think they try to say a lot more things, and then they just kind of wrap up the story with, here it is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess in conclusion, I, I did think that it was really strong. I think, obviously, if it's not a graphic novel, if it's just a, a novel, then it loses so much punch. I mean, the themes are still good and still an interesting story, but when you when you partner with it with some of the strong artwork, I did really enjoy it, and I think it's gonna you know be one that I pick up in you know down the road. And that's what's different too with a novel is the writing. 
I don't know, you paint your own picture when you read a novel and when you have it for you and there's not the filler, you only have dialogue and art. Who even knows what the book would read like if it didn't have art, it would be, it would just be a different thing. Yeah, that's one of those things. Um, so you asked what I was reading, and I had, I actually just finished up in my other book club. Uh, we just finished up this nonfiction called Killers of the Flower Moon, which is a kind of investigative journalism piece on murders of Native Americans back in the 1920s um in Oklahoma because they apparently Native Americans found oil and became massively wealthy and were being kind of systematically knocked off for their wealth. Yeah, it sounds like an American tale. It was very fascinating. I did not realize, you know, I had heard obviously about the casinos making a lot of Native Americans rich. I did not realize that they had gotten so wealthy off the oil. Um and that was one of the first books I've read recently or in a long time that had pictures of the actual people. And with nonfiction, I, I enjoy that. I like to kind of connect what this real person was. But right. you're right, man, with with fiction, there's just there's a joy in being able to describe your own character in your own head when you're just reading off of text, you know? Oh, yeah. One of the biggest reasons I read is to divert my brain elsewhere and think about things that aren't going on in, in real life. So when you start to really have to stretch your brain and fabricate what's going on in the story, it only just, you know, leads to that keeps your brain occupied. It does. Uh, I mean, go ahead. look at artwork and appreciate it. It, it has the same effect, but mm. two different carriers. I feel that. I think some, you know, maybe most of the time, honestly, like a, um, a fictional novel will leave, maybe a little too much space where I just kind of have almost like a gray mass in my head for a person sometimes where I like to watch a movie. If there is one after the fact, right. Try and bring it together. Of course, now the movie sucks. It's like, well, well, you know, I somewhat ruined the book or I have a better appreciation. One of the two, but like that, like you're saying, I like that the, the movie for Watchmen followed the book because you can, Oh yeah, that was what was happening or, filled in some of the questions about who was that person and mm. brings it all together. I mean, that was a frustration I guess I had with myself for having seen one flew over cuckoo's nest before reading it a couple months ago was that it did not matter how the author described the main character. I was going to see Jack Nicholson the entire time. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. I, I mean, mean, I did the shining. I watched the shining well before reading the book and yeah, you have all those characters painted when you start reading about them. Yeah. I mean, they would describe, I mean, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. It was like, he's six foot three curly redhead. And I was like, what? I, I literally almost was like, I was like, Nope, the author got it wrong there. <laughs> yeah. I think this is a typo. Did the editor pick this one up? Yeah. But it was still obviously like a very strong novel, but um, yeah, man. Um, so we're not, I guess, uh, we just finished that up. So actually in two days, we'll kind of do our final wrap up of that. And then we're going to do a brief, maybe even just a one week thing on this collection of poems called bluets. It's, I had not heard of it and I'm not, I guess I'm not particularly interested, but, uh, we're trying to kind of, we started off with, I guess, famous works with, uh, one flew over cuckoo's nest and um shit 
what is that book called in Vietnam? One you invited me to that, uh, the Chinese one, the Third Rock or something oh, like that. The three Body Problem, yeah. So we started with a couple of just classic uh, 1960s American literature. And then more recently, we've been diverting into kind of sporadic and random things, which have been really, really interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, how about you answer? You're reading through uh, the overstore. You're like halfway through so far. I've reached page 90. So no, I'm far from halfway. Oh, it's a pretty dense read. So I gotcha. And I, I'll be honest, it doesn't have me captivated because, I mean, it, the short stories are good. And it, mm. like I said, it's written very well, but it's not one epic story. I feel that. The book I just finished reading before Watchmen, I think it was before Watchmen, was um, hell, David Ray Pollock. What's it called? I got it right behind me somewhere. Oh, man, where did it go? Oh, there it is. Yeah, The Heavenly Table. Ooh. That was good. It was pretty simple. I mean, it, there wasn't a whole lot of imagery and, you know, metaphor to any of it, but it was just a classic story of turn of the century, 19-teens, 1920s, bank robbers in middle America and all of that. I don't know. You just follow a story. You find yourself one of those books you can't put down, which when you're reading kind of a, a metaphorical, more artsy story. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't captivate me as well. I can appreciate it, but it's something once I finish a chapter, it's like, okay, well, my brain needs a breather. You've read, it seems like you've read quite a bit of like, um, not frontier literature, but like Midwest kind of. Americana. Yeah. Americana literature. That seems to be kind of your, your stick. I enjoy it. You know, yeah. it's a aggressive time period. A lot of, interesting characters i don't know i kind of i like the the twangy dialogue that they they have going on i feel yeah. that man well i will um i'll probably not catch up with you on the overstory but after you finish that maybe we can do round two well like i said it's a bunch of short stories so i'm not opposed to putting it down too so oh. i've actually thought about maybe put it down for a minute read another story come back to it are you interested in reading some poems about the color blue? Yeah, I think the poems I might pass on. <laughs> sure. And you well, pick that up. That will only be a one uh, week or so, then we'll move on quickly. Yeah, well, poetry is, yeah, nothing you need to spend too much time on. No. But uh, we'll see what, I'll keep you in the loop of what gets voted for next. And if it's something that interests you, or if you'd even like to put your own vote towards it. Then, uh, I've got a bookshelf full of two reads, so. Uh-oh. Yeah. I mean, I, I, got, have, I have multiple shelves as well, but the problem with this is, like, you know, the book club just doesn't pick any of those books so far. Well, that's why, yeah. Like I said, I just throw it out to friends now, and if they want to read the same book, they do. But nine out of ten times, I find myself reading it, and whatever, that works out just as well. Do you have your do you have your list like uh, online or on a electric format, electronic format? No, not not at all. Well, well, you should do that. And maybe we actually have some that we both have. I could send you I, I didn't probably but eight to ten books that I hadn't really read that are on my shelf. Send it to me, man. I'll do it. All right, man. It was fun. Yep. Enjoy myself. I'll talk to you later. 
See ya. Out. Thank you.